Welcome to the Ag Emerge podcast brought to you by Ag Solutions Network. We're here to move the ag paradigm forward by helping you regenerate your soils using new ideas, research, and emerging technologies. Get ready to improve your soil, your crops, your livestock, and your family's livelihood. I'm Kim Sheese. And I'm Monty Bottens. And we're your hosts. Thanks for joining us. Passion, education, and leadership make for a winning combination as Megan Silcott joins the ASN team as our new marketing director. ASN is the sponsor of Aggie Merge, and Megan has participated in the Aggie Merge event while serving in her previous position as an instructor at Cal Poly. Megan, the cool thing, she's watched Aggie Merge and that event evolve and grow as she and her students from Cal Poly have captured just the energy at our event. They've filmed great images and interviews with our growers, um, the thought leaders and entrepreneurs, and not only that, but Megan has a wealth of knowledge and experience uh, outside of that instructional area where she's gained that experience through her involvement in positions where she served as a board member for the Center for Growing Talent by the Produce Marketing Association, as well as being an officer for the San Luis Obispo County Farm Bureau. That's just to name a few. In our conversation today, we're exploring the leadership and learning it takes to problem solve in today's agriculture. We recognize that there's no silver bullet to some of these challenges that we're facing, and we're looking for understanding and application of concepts and not a one-size-fits-all, there's-a-jug-for-that, band-aid kind of fix. So Megan, thanks for joining us today. Can you start us off with a little bit of your story? Well, I'm glad to be here and I'm thankful to be sitting at the table with you for the week and getting to know the ASN team and the different people that help put all the different pieces together very well. And I get the privilege of telling that story now. So that's the main reason I got to join the team. How I got to join the team, I had a pretty wonderful childhood, uh, thanks to some very hardworking parents and family members. And had uh, my brother and I have an older brother. He's fantastic. We grew up on six acres and had every animal under the sun uh, in and out of the house. <laughs> And my father was an educator by by heart and trade. He has a gift for um, others in the special needs area. So he had a knack for pulling autism students along into some mainstream processes and really knew they could do more than most schools think they can. Um, He also coached swim and water polo, so he spent a lot of time... um, My favorite story with that is I I questioned my dad one day at the pool why he was teaching his polo players to foul underwater when it wasn't right. (laughs) So we grew up with some great memories um, by the pool, at the lake. Um, My mom has been at the same small animal vet clinic since she was 16. So we learned a lot of hard work and teamwork and dedication very early on by our parents. And um, our home was kind of the home where people came to play and got a little bit of what they always, our friends always called it a ranch or a farm, and it, it is not. It was, we had a tree fort built in every tree we could find, and um, so that was, a be, I, as you get a little older, you learn how, how blessed that childhood was. We were, um, they sacrificed a lot to make things happen that um, 
you know, I had all my dance costumes. I had all the dance shoes. I had a horse. I had a pony. Um, we traveled to the lake. That was our, we didn't travel extensively, but they granted us a wonderful upbringing. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. 4-H and FFA were a main part of our, how we learned and socialized with others. Um, we went to public school, so we always we learned that way too. We had a great education, uh, but my parents granted us a lot. And again, as you old as you get older, you you figure out how they did that because you start wondering how did they make that happen for us. Um, so we did all kinds of things from in those 4-H and FFA realms. Uh, learned barbecuing and catering through serving others in that way, and um, my. 4-H turned into FFA. I was part of the 2003 California State FFA officer team. And again, as you get older, you learn how some teams function better than others. And very glad to say that our team, um, between the six of us, you pick up right where you left off. You catch up on the other four, two, whoever's not present with you that that trip that we still meet up. And um, our kids are getting to know each other. Uh, but that team was dynamic and um, very thankful for that experience, having exposed us to travel. And we taught in 30 different high schools that year, um, stayed in, in chapter member homes. So you learn very quickly how blessed you were growing up when you see things differently from different perspectives. But that experience also made me a, very much a homebody. And so having a place to call home and plant roots was very important transitioning from college into family life and uh, I I like home I like to be on the road for a little bit and then zip back and stay home for a good long while Mm -hmm. so um, that's a lot of a a little things I guess Um, Cal Poly was not in my plan I vividly remember in um, junior high we got to write you know where you want to go next kind of stories and my dad was getting his master's in special ed at that time. And I was, he was gone a lot. So I placed that with, I don't want to go to Cal Poly. My dad's gone. And um, it, it's funny how circles work. Circled back really hard <laughs> to Cal Poly. Very thankful for that too. Um, I deferred my year, my freshman year, um, because that's that state officer year you take a year a gap year mm-hmm. um, we graduated high school my very dear friend Colette we grew up together then we ended up on the state officer team together and we graduated high school we spoke at our graduation and two days later we moved out and so that's not always typical for a high school kid you usually get a summer to do something and we hit the road with our officer team very quickly so um, that year um uh, we, we deferred, both of us deferred to Cal Poly. And then when you come back, I remember not enjoying the dorms very much because <laughs> we were a year away from our families already. We'd already figured out um, what we did and didn't want to participate in. And I was we were both half hour from our home families. We grew up two miles apart from each other. And we went home almost every weekend. <laughs> and we took people with us. And that's why I think that experience of how you, how you shape your next road um, we took the people, our friends that were homesick, that had just started school, we took them home to our folks. And, you know, they got a warm meal. They slept over. We um, So you continue certain things and pieces that you pull along the way to these different routes. And Cal Poly was just a continuation for our team 
to provide comfort to others. That's mm-hmm. kind of what we became known for. Um, so Cal Poly, I was an ag science major. I chose that because I did not at the time want to be a teacher in agriculture. I knew what it would take to be a good one. We had seen it. For 365 days, we, we were in and out of these chapters that you got to witness some great things, some things you question, some things you wouldn't want to continue, some things you want to strive for. And I was not ready to dive into an educational setting where I put aside other things I wanted to include, such as a, you know, a very critical to me family life. So I didn't think you could do that as an ag teacher. You can because that's what I've been doing for about nine years um, prior to ASN's team. So I, I was an ag science major. I love school. I'm, I'm very much a learn by reading, so that requires time, and I love digging deep into subject matter. I'm a nerd, and I like it. And ag science provided that realm for me that I got to learn a bit of soil science, a bit of fertilizer, a bit of leadership, a bit of how to communicate and speak and carry on a discussion, not just a talk. Um, The ag science program at Cal Poly is extremely diverse. We know it is not deep. And so we encourage students to dive deeper into something they enjoy or want to learn more about by getting a minor in another program. Mm. So I did that. I listened to all of our teachers' advice. And I got a minor in Spanish, ag business, and ag communication. I was there for five years. Um, Very thankful to have been funded through scholarships. Um, My husband was there for six years because he was a civil engineer and did some extra victory laps in thermodynamic <laughs> classes. Hmm. And that's how we met. So Cal Poly is also part of our, our life story. Um, very common for some people. I'm, you know, that meets your college love there, and I'm very glad that happened. But um, that program enabled me to learn how to teach in a different way. And I got to go back to that program as an educator. I went, so I graduated school with my undergrad, and an internship had opened. I took it at a fertilizer company and got to learn from the ground up some corporate business and uh, marketing techniques there, made some really grand mistakes that they were gracious towards and helped me learn from. Um, So my husband also ended up working for that fertilizer company. We got married and he stayed on I got tapped on the shoulder to go teach a couple classes in my home department, that I, my alumni department, in the Ag Ed, communi- Ag Ed and Communication Department. Wonderful people, by the way. And you just don't turn that down. So I felt terrible leaving the, the company that we saw a lot of growth in. And I ended up being very fortunate as a lecturer in particular to get my master's while I was teaching kept adding to the program, adding classes and courses that because I went through that program, I knew what we could do better in instructing and preparing students and took what I learned there, created several new classes. We worked those into the curriculum. Um, so I, I loved becoming an ag teacher <laughs> despite not wanting to go to Cal Poly, despite not wanting to teach agriculture. All of those reasons went wayside and uh, have a wonderful story that I got to teach in my the very same program I learned from and um, really put it to work. And so that became a joy to share with students. 
they all, I got asked a lot, how do I do what you did? I said, I don't know. (laughs) You do your best work and you figure out where you can apply the things you learn. What you think you should have learned are even really great things to take out of a class. Um, Professors you didn't really like, great. What are you going to do differently than they did? So those are the types of conversations. I love students coming in and out of the office and sitting down and working with me as I'm grading their work and they ask life questions along the way. Uh, so Cal Poly ended up having a very rich part of um, who I am and how what it, what it shaped me to do. Um, the learn by doing motto, they stand by to its nth degree for great reasons. Um, so that leads to um, you know, Cal Poly literally how I met my husband, Dean, um, now married to a, a farmer, which I had no intentions of being so proud of. Uh, Dean had an opportunity to go work for a family that we hold near and dear to our hearts and kind of became a bit of their succession planning. And um, we now, we, I say we, he's doing the hard work. I get to support his questions because I have some acknowledge. Dean was a civil engineer uh, degree and Net is now learning agriculture from the ground up, and he's so a- apt at doing so, but it's fun to answer questions when he comes home, or he, he needs to learn resources, and so I'm, you know, as the teacher side, I have all these resources to send him towards learning what he's asking about, so it's been fun, um, but we, so Dean is the manager of CNM Nursery, he's their operations manager now, and is literally learning from the baby trees in the nursery, citrus and avocados from the ground up, um, how we can make some changes to keep their business viable, learn what they've been doing. And I have great excitement. And now I feel even more empowered in a new role that over time and when it's appropriate, we will get to make an impact in that particular sector of the ag industry. So that's a lot about my background to where we came to today. We have two outstanding, beautiful, funny challenging nuggets that we call ours that we get to that god granted us uh brooke and bradley uh ages four and six you know going on 16 and 14 (laughs) and uh we have a genuine with intent goal of raising them to know uh that God loves all of his people, all of his children. And the agriculture industry does a darn good job of providing that. I don't see that everywhere in our friends' families. That um, it just gives you an opportunity to get hands dirty and grow something and see it prosper and fail. And then you get up and you do it again. And going back to the Cal Poly motto, um, when you get to apply that to a family setting with your faith, you are in good hands. So I am beyond excited to do that differently now in a new realm. And my family sees that. The kids see that. They hear it. Um, My students that I have stayed connected with, which are a lot, I call them my children, my kids. They were my first kids, especially the group before our kids. (laughs) Um, 
the encouragement and the level of pride that they have in watching me do something new in the ag industry, wow, I was blown away by some of the comments they shared through uh, texts and emails and social media posts and whatnot. Um, When you have that community built and you get to claim a piece of it, uh, you can't go wrong. Mm -hmm. There's some powerful things when you get to do that process and learn from losing at the 4-H fair (laughs) (laughs) to, you know, get picking up and dusting your jeans off after trying to halt or break a really stubborn steer. Uh, Those things that once you become a parent, of course, that changes a lot of dynamics for you in really great ways. But I got to parent these 20-year-old somethings. I, you know, didn't have crazy stories always to tell them that I learned from, but um, when they trust you to, to carry on their life and to help them through these steps of making their next career decision and negotiating a salary and how do I tell my parents I want to change my major? <laughs> Those were always fun ones. Um, that has gotten to me to here uh, where I now get to help market, which is sometimes not the right word. Um, now I get to help shift some mindsets and help a farmer directly instead of giving them a really bright young mind that I think they could do all your marketing. They can help you fix some implements, you know, all these different skill sets these students have. Um, I am very thankful to now get to apply that style of education more directly uh, to the farmer and rancher themselves. So that's my background, FFA, 4-H, Cal Poly, and family story in an unwarranted emotional story. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I mean, that uh, when it comes from the heart, that's, that's, uh, that what's, that's what comes out. So that, that makes sense. And agriculture, like you were saying, is a unique place because this industry, we are, um, we are intimately connected. I've always said that we're, there's only one degree of separation within agriculture. And that's what gives us that, that pride and that, that connection to, to everybody. Because yes, we do face a lot of challenges from, uh, that are out of our control, you know, and challenges that are within our control. And it is, it is a unique experience. And I find it ironic, you know, you didn't want to go to Cal Poly and you didn't want to be an ag teacher. And then you wound up being an ag teacher at Cal Poly. So, um, you know, don't say what you don't want to do, right? That's how God teaches you patience. I don't know if you've ever heard Rick Warren talk about that. And he's like, I prayed for God to give me patience. And then he kept testing and testing and testing. He says, finally, I figured out I needed to quit praying for that because God will, well, will quit sending all the (laughs) things that's going to test my patience. (laughs) So, yeah. So now you're teaching still Mm -hmm. and uh yes we call it marketing as our marketing director but really it's teaching right and it's it's teaching uh, a different way to think a different way to farm a different way to approach uh what we're doing Mm -hmm. um not only in the fields but you know to the soil to the uh, the food that we're raising for families that depend on us so yeah it's it's interesting and uh, uh i've had a chance to interact with megan's um kids, as we'll say, Um, her students there at California, or California Polytechnic University at San Luis Obispo. Now you know why they call it 
Cal Poly. <laughs> so, and there is two, just for those Pomona folks two. that are listening, you know, but we we're, we're going to. wonderful sister university, and if yeah. you ever get to watch the Rose Float, that's the best synergy that the two universities share is the Rose Float. Or profession. maybe the only, yes. There's there's a lot, a lot of competition there, but there no, anyway. <laughs> uh, but no, Cal Poly is a, is a great place. Many of our, um, you know, customers who are farmers or graduates of Cal Poly, um, we've got several people on our staff that are Cal Poly grads, and and you can always tell uh, that they went there. They're well-rounded education, I, I believe, and a well, not only theory, but practice right. uh, at the same time. That's the learn-by-doing concept. Do Yep. Mm -hmm. So that that was pretty neat. And like I said, I got to meet some of Megan's kids. Um, I I forget exactly how it worked, (laughs) but uh, I got uh, the opportunity to come over and talk to a a class there a couple times. Robin and I came over and uh, and shared, and that was a neat experience. Um, And that's how I met uh, Monty through and and started delving into the ASN network was um, a mutual, a very good friend of Monty's, Dino uh, Giacomazzi. he had posted a video of or shared something of Monty talking in his truck. And now I know having driven around with Monty, how he accomplishes these talks in the trucks. But, uh, and she was scared, but that's okay. No, it's no. great. <laughs> we, sh- we share a, a passion for jeeping and adventuring. So, um, unfortunately I, I enjoy rough roads and, mm-hmm. um, fast cars and the, uh, so Dino posted this, and I was teaching a new course at the time. Uh, we had modeled a course after our really prominent, well done. Um, our college, Cal Poly has a, um, it's a senior capstone course that asks, it really stretches students to learn about different industries from the, I'm going to say tip top echelon of those leaders within those industries. And so we modeled our own course after that and used our California Ag Leadership Program kind of connections um, to bring speakers in. And one of the things I wanted to accomplish in that course was it's okay if you think differently than what you just learned in the class an hour ago. You don't call it wrong, but here's what we want to provide you with some other perspective about that same topic. And hopefully you can learn how to discuss it, not just set it aside as something you don't agree with. And so I I cold called Monty um, and asked if he would be willing to come speak in, to my class via Zoom or whatnot. And he said, how about in person? And I said, yes. <laughs> well, who wouldn't want to come over to Slow? I mean. <laughs> it's a terrible place. The happiest place on earth is San Luis Obispo. So he came and provided some students his, what I, one of the things I value most about this program that we're, I get to promote now is Monty tries everything at his home ranch, his home farm, before he ever puts it out to another to, to consider. And so the students got to hear from a farmer how he has shifted and why, and about your failures and trials that led to different successes. So it was through a mutual friend, Dino, that we connected, and then I was, I, I kind of did another cold call to Monty when I, I started tracking him and what he was doing and this Aggie Merge program came up that they were starting to put together and I said, huh, I want to go. How do I get some <laughs> students there and we'll call it good? And so I suggested I bring students to help do their media um, and 
promote from the event, take pictures. We could do interviews if you'd like. We were learning a lot, a lot about equipment at the time and how to actually make those things function. And what better learn by doing model than to put your students in a situation where they have to learn the buttons and, oh my goodness, we lost that interview because we didn't hit record. Those kinds of things at a conference. And by the way, here's some paradigm information you might want to tar- start talking to your fellow peers and roommates and students about. So I got a kick out of making that work for a number of different reasons. Little did I know it would lead to me wanting to be a part of the team. Um, and when my teaching contract came up to a close, you start th- considering things and a little bit of fear, and then you set that aside real quick because that's not going to help you. And Monty and his crew were, I, I had decided a couple of years ago that I want to go back into industry, didn't know what that would look like or who it could be with. But ASN ended up being who I wanted to work for. And that's how I did another third time cold call kind of thing to Imani and uh, Don and uh, received such a warm response that I was instantly comforted by that and knew that uh, that team had a lot to offer me and my family. And um, little, again, little did I know how much I could offer them. And that's the goal when you want to go work for someone is what can you bring to the table? And I am now in a position, and this is how I described it to people as I was telling them I was moving on from Cal Poly, that I get to now apply which is what we teach the students to go out and apply it immediately to your coworker and team. That leadership technique you learned about seeking first to be understood, understand before you un- be understood. All of those intricate little things that we try and do in a classroom, I now get to do and apply myself. And that's thrilling mm-hmm. to be able to do that. So that's how uh, I came to ASN from Cal Poly and Aggie Merge was the shift for me and a way to bring some students into that that fold also. So now your students are watching, right? Uh, they're probably. gonna they're gonna see if if you're applying what you taught them as you as you move forward here. So the pressure's yep. on, right? The pressure's on <laughs> in a great way because those relationships you develop over time, uh, my my students, my kids, some of my very initial kids are getting married and starting families of their own. Mm-hmm. So that's also a, a fun thing to watch their life unfold after you've gotten to know them. But those, those, that type of, those types of relationships, um, some of those students walked through difficult times with me also personally and know a lot of our backstory and um, our successes and failures as a young family. And they do hold me accountable. I've had several of them say most recently, we're so glad you finally took your own advice. And you told me that very same thing five years ago, and I've moved up two levels now, and now you get to do the same. So so I think something important, because I know a lot of your students are going to probably listen to this probably. podcast, right? Because they'll, you'll share it and stuff. But uh, I think one of the things they need to hear out of this loud and clear was the three fo- cold calls, right? You sure. know, don't be afraid to ask people for things mm-hmm. and, and connect and reach out to connect with people on purpose. And, uh, cause you, you never know where that's going to lead. And I'm sure it's not just with us that you've made, you know, cold calls to, to try to accomplish things. Right. I mean, 
hopefully your your kids yep. are listening and and you know if there's something that you see or want to learn more about or something different you want to do or just somebody who's doing things that you want to you want to know or you want to connect with boy don't sit there no one's right? going to do it for you yeah you got to you got to take the action you know mm-hmm. send the email uh, pick up the phone whatever it takes get out there and make those things happen you know and that that's the same thing we're trying to do with our farmers we're trying to give them the information that they need to think a little bit differently about what they're doing Mm -hmm. and then realize that okay eventually i think sometimes they say now it takes 27 29 times of hearing something before you take action on it but um you know we will kind of repeat this a lot on the podcast but you know you you can't you can't you don't know what you don't know right until you start doing something so so take that action make a call whatever um you know that that same concept applies to the farmers that are listening in addition to the students Absolutely. that are that are listening so Tim and i were talking yesterday about you have to start something somewhere mm-hmm. and that big plan that you get over time mm-hmm. is grand and difficult but if you start somewhere with a new idea and you try something it could lead to some bottom line improvement Mm -hmm. it could lead to you partnering with somebody it could lead if you don't have a succession plan in place it could lead to you finding some young person down the road that wants to help and doesn't have a home family farm to go back to but they want to dig in deep right i was just gonna say that i feel like that's part of sometimes what we struggle with in agriculture is that our network may be kind of small. If we're on the farm or we're doing certain things, we're not seeing people on a regular basis or whatever. And so, you know, they always talk about the ways that you grow are through the books that you read and the people you associate with. Well, you know, what? look at your network of folks that you're engaging. And as you guys both said, then, you know, there may be people you need to reach out to and you need to not be afraid to do that. And then that builds your network. And so I think sometimes people back off from that because they it's a vulnerable place to put yourself when you're like hey I don't really know a lot about this and I really need some I'd really like to have a conversation about it and so I think those are um, some you know some important things to keep in mind is it's okay and it's good and hearken back to your 4-H and FFA days so many of us you know grew up in that environment and and that's where we kind of learn by doing I I feel like that's why those programs are so successful because you're actually at eight years old standing in front of a group of your peers and saying my (laughs) steer's name is dynamite you know (laughs) so just hearken back to that time when you mustered up the courage at eight years old to stand in front of of 15 or 20 of your friends. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to be able to move forward in these things that you're trying to do within your operation if you're just trying to do it from within. Mm -hmm. I think it takes a a team of people to help you to get there and building that team is important. I think it's hard for some farmers and ranchers to take the four hours in a day or a four-day trip away from the ranch or operation they're a part of. Who's going to do that work? It can't just sit, you know, the cattle have to be fed or moved. Um, All of those things have to take place if you were to go try something new and learn in a different network. If you were to purposefully expand your network through a conference or a one-day workshop situation, it takes you off your operation. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to decide who on your team could potentially step up for you or do you need to bring someone on board for a short period of time or a long period of time. But that decision alone is a change. Mm -hmm. So 
if that can help you get somewhere differently, it's probably going to be worth it in the long haul. Well, and you mentioned to me, we talked about it a couple times this week, that something that Monty said on the stage at Aggie Merge about that specific thing. Yep. You want to talk about what he, yeah, what he said? Yeah. You know, you, you you hear somebody for the first time, you're getting that first impression. I had it in the classroom, so I kind of had a leg up on what Monty, I th- thought what he was going to share. And then, uh, you know, things hit you differently, even if you hear them 20 times, but maybe that 29th time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monty shared on stage with that group at Aggie Merge, you got to make a decision that's a thousand years in the making. So if, if the decision for tomorrow's farm is to get you off the farm to learn something new, that one step forward of learning something new and different that you can apply to your operation. Maybe they're talking about trees, but you pick up something about a cover crop situation that could easily go to your soybeans. Then that decision could lead to an improvement a thousand years down the line. And that hit me that day of, we are trying to prepare our current generation you know, a family looks at their children immediately and wants to do better and right by them. But what about 10, 10 generations down the road? We often, it's a common phrase. We all want our next generation to have something that we didn't have or an improvement that wasn't present and not know the hardships that we've walked through or the 10 generations prior to us. You're moving in, in good directions of intent. But until you set up that day of learning or change, you are stagnant. And your operation, like Mani has shared too, is you kind of keep hitting yourself against the wall in the same spot and, and repeating the same processes that aren't getting you to the next shift. So you do have to harken back and strap your boots on and walk up to the microphone sometimes. And your parents maybe made you do that demonstration day But by golly, you can explain a five-step process, and you know so much about your operation. If you were to say that five-step process to someone at a breakfast table, and they tell you their five-step process, but oh, by the way, we did this different this year. Those conversations are what is leading students and farmers and ranchers to questioning things in a a not always a positive frame, a positive mindset. They're questioning things that haven't worked oftentimes. But that makes you start looking ahead to what could work. If they tried that in South Dakota, why can't we do it in San Diego? And that's what I get to try and help facilitate is the education mindsets now from the student body because they all want to do right. They want to do well. I often... I, Kim and I were laughing a little bit this week that I was telling her about some assignments I've provided students, and one of my favorites is to have them look at an image. So I'll throw an image up on a screen of onions in bloom. They all thought it was cotton, which is kind of funny. So we're learning along the way of these different <laughs> things. Um, but imagery is so powerful. And so it was a free write assignment. I would ask people to take five minutes and write uh, freely about what they see, the color. And I'd kind of guide them a little bit. Write about the colors you see, the feelings you feel looking at that picture. What does it make you think of agriculture? And eight out of 10 students would often say, well, so like three sentences, that's good, right? Like, sure, it's a start. And how many words? 
I don't know. It's a free ride. It's up to you. And so they wanted parameters to, to do it right. Mm-hmm. They want to operate within a set of rules. Right. And yet, when we're telling them to students to go out and seek and cold call and do great things in their next steps, there aren't parameters to that. So it's almost a, we're guiding, 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 hoping they stretch their wings a bit with different things and experiences that the university or their internships provide. But then they get to that point of graduation and some fear sets in. And I can imagine farmers and ranchers have the same mindset when it gets to harvest and you're not sure you're going to make your yield expectation. And what does that mean for the next step? You don't know. And yet you have to, I'll go back to what Kim just said with the 4-H and FFA, you, you put your bootstraps up, you pull them really hard that day. And that's what can launch you into a new paradigm is having to make a decision you haven't made before. And that's what I think AgUmerge can do for people. Um, that's what you know ASN's Power to Grow program can do when you combine different chemicals for the right reasons at the right time. You can boost your yield. You can boost your family's commitment to agriculture by helping them get through another year with as you start thinking about the next thousand years ahead. So each one of the thought leaders were really providing the opportunity for farmers to connect with that we've had on the stage that people can look at on the video resources on the website. Each one of those is a picture of onions, right? Yeah. And the next one's a picture of cotton, so they can know the difference. Know the difference, right. <laughs> and, and each one of them is a picture mm-hmm. of what can be. Right. And then we're asking farmers, just like you were asking your students, we're asking farmers, okay, forget the rules. Right. Okay, here's of what, you know, grandpa did and dad did because you, you have to do. Forget the uh, the rules that because my peers do it this way. And just free write about what do you want it to be. Yep. And if you can, as uh, we've had some discussions about the seven habits of highly effective people, if you can start with the end in mind and, and free write what you want that end in mind to be, then you'll backfill everything else. Right. With how you get there. Right. You know, and, and our, our starting with the end of mind is, is we want healthy soil for healthy plants, healthy animals, and healthy people and a healthy planet. So all of that soil health is at the foundation of everything we do. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's our end in mind. Now, how do we get there? How, how do we help farmers get there? Well, we, we help them break down their own set of rules. Right. That, that have helped us get to where we are today and, and allow them to free write. Mm-hmm. So, and that's very challenging for people yeah. when they've had to. Because it's uncomfortable. To, it's uncomfortable. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. You know, because you, I heard earlier in the podcast, it was three cold calls. So three cold calls. Right. That's what I got to do. Three. And if I don't work by three, Megan's wrong. That's you know? it could be. <laughs> I could three. be. It's three. <laughs> so, and, and but that, it, that isn't. That isn't the concept, right? So people yeah. are looking for that short. They're looking for the. Um, they they seek out the what to do versus the the concept mm-hmm. behind it, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, band aids are easy to put on. Um, jugs jugs are easy to fix a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I want a jug, I want a bullet, right. a silver bullet to fix the problem, and, mm-hmm. and it's not that way. Nothing in life is that. No, way. and I do feel that the students coming out of universities and tech programs and even um, you know trades programs right now, there there's a reason they're at 
they're trying to learn more. Who, regardless of who's footing the bill, they're in a learning environment. And how I believe the students I have interacted with, they all want to do better. Mm-hmm. They want to eat better, uh, use more sustainable products and packaging. They may end up designing packaging for a cucumber company that eliminates plastic in the grocery stores. Those small but larger scale global type perspectives are what they tend to have. Um, the students I interacted with were very well traveled. They have had either wonderful family vacations and not always exotic places, but you know they've been to Europe, uh, they've been to South America. But when you get the students that go do the educational programs mm-hmm. and they're getting credit units or they're there for longer than six weeks, those are the students that tend to have a better understanding of that culture. They always appreciated the agriculture in particular and were noticing and more aware of the wine market in Australia and shipping and logistics and how they ended up with Australian wines in California in two days, but you can't get cherries shipped over, you know, perishability. They, they became more aware of um, those types of things when they were at a, a, a country longer than a, a vacation, even though they got to see some neat things. Um, so I think there's a drive for them to put to work their... Um, care for the environment that that does come through very strongly in most of their assignments and discussions Um, and then I've also been really impressed with how some of them have crossed over into other industries so they they don't get a career in agriculture but they have I've had several emails back to where they say we were at a, a lunch table with coworkers and they're working for Google and they describe how they were able to have a conversation about food because they actually sat on the tractor and did transplants and learned that transplants are grown in a nursery and that they are able to explain the steps to how that baby arugula got into that delicious pesto sandwich. And by the way, do you know what pesto is made of? Mm. And so that's something we took pride in helping our students understand is no matter where they end up, if they can help explain and promote agriculture in a way, and I use the word promote on purpose, because we do need more people to explain things positively. That That's the advocacy type approach, because that's what starts conversations. Telling someone they're growing their crop wrong doesn't get you very far in a paradigm shift. But being able to know that they apply these particular organic or conventional products at what time of growth stage, those little tidbits that our students are picking up along the way can hopefully contribute to a greater conversation no matter where they end up, whether they end up you know, a CEO of a packaging company or they are making their own farm stand. The conversation tools that we hope to build and then carry forward are what I think can help shift ideas. And when your students, um, ag students are coming, a lot of ag students coming in aren't from a farm or production agriculture. Um, That's been a real shift probably in the last 30 years. You know, a lot of, you know, when I was 
I just come through the 80s farm crisis, and it's like, okay, well, if you want to come back to the farm, you're welcome to, but boy, by no means think, you know. Not, not like you know, Not like you have to. Yeah. Uh, so, and, you know, a lot of the, a lot of my friends from high school that grew up on a farm are, didn't come back to a farm just okay. because there wasn't the opportunity. Now, today, there's more of an opportunity in, in food and value add and those right. kind of things, and we're getting a lot more people who aren't from the farm right. coming into agriculture, not necessarily, you know, in the field, but mm-hmm. in all all the steps adding value thereafter. Um, talk about uh, that passion, that connection of the of the student today for you know, not I wouldn't call it environmentalism mm-hmm. because that's more of um that that's has some negative connotations mm-hmm. to it, but just uh, care for impact that we are having on the environment. I guess that would be and and how that's aligning with where they were looking to go to. Um, when they're in job searching and career considering sure how i mean i my my vision is and and you tell me how off base i am you got you got a group even though we think of college students today there's a lot of negatives that some people can conjure up about i think they're highly motivated passionate ahead of their time Mm -hmm. in maturity and development Mm -hmm. looking for an opportunity to make a big impact and yet the industry is a generation behind not providing that opportunity to plug into their passions oh. and fully right fully utilize the leadership and and skill sets that they do have in order to, and then because of that they're not being fulfilled on on the other end the company's not able to take full advantage of what what they offer and and they're not being fulfilled at the same time and there's this kind of this mm-hmm. waiting they're further ahead than what maybe the modern company in my my, my yeah. making sense in that I and and so. what is the basis is the, some of that basis accurate or or the example i can give is more about um so let's say the students take a sales position and they really weren't so excited about actually accepting a sales job. That type of person can be motivated intrinsically in some ways by also giving, putting them in charge of a community service event for the company on behalf of the company. So a lot of students have shared how when they're researching these companies, oh, by the way, I had a great interview and I might get to work on putting backpack kits together in the fall for our, our farm field worker families. And so th- those kinds of fulfillments can come from offering st- n- newer student or fresh out of school kind of students. Um, and that could, I guess I shouldn't clear, stereotype it, but I have heard from a few students that the company's commitment level to their local community was really driving some of their excitement in accepting the actual job that was available. So you're giving them other opportunities to serve on behalf of your company. So the community service component, interestingly and wonderfully, was very important to them. It got them to see how their job as a salesperson could contribute to the overall company. And by the way, the overall company is also putting money back into your community in these forms and you can join us. I've heard of companies taking days off so they they get paid, but their day instead of being on the sales desk and 5 a.m. calls to East Coast is actually putting those backpacks together and delivering them. So there's things like that. Um, they also tend to be 
I'm stereotyping. Well, and I think not, not before you get on your next thing, but I, you know, when farmers are looking at how do I get, you know, managers back to my farm? How do I get, you know, how do I get those uh, people resources that I need? You know, we need to be thinking about that. What is the purpose of your farm? What is that, you know, free riding experience that you're doing? So let's say you are pursuing a regenerative path. Okay. You know, talking about cover crops with those students, talking about uh, grazing animals on there, carbon sequestration, you know, water cycle improvements, all these kind of things versus just another farm who isn't make, uh-huh. gives you a competitive advantage on getting the top talent that's coming from from school. Would, is that a fair assessment because it's only, more aligned with their passions? I, I would not only agree with that, I think they expect that. So I've had a few students be surprised that this grand, really successful on profit side companies don't have a water plan or don't, aren't on a committee to help enhance uh, the airborne quality type things in their community. Mm-hmm. That tends to surprise some of these students that these big companies that some of them would think they would like to work for aren't motivated by. So I think doing so and, and sharing with them that they do get to have, of these 10,000 acres, they get 1,000 to play with mm-hmm. as far as applying a new practice or mm-hmm. um, doing a less of an application this time in efforts to put it on at the proper time. If you can share that with people that you're willing to let them try something mm-hmm. and you know not give away the whole piece quite yet so you have a difference to sh- compare it to, that's enticing. You're giving young people a way to fulfill that need to do better or make an improvement by letting them do a trial and error process. And that's empowering in any job, any situation. When you have some authority and ownership of a final outcome, if that could, that's a great idea as far as kind of marketing that concept right. to another generation to enter a farm and be able to do that. So not only is it not about rethinking your farming practices for the viability of the farm, but it's also a key to attracting top talent that's going to stay with you and take you to where you want to go. So again, that's all part of a system of your farm too. And I mean, my, my husband's a great example of pulling someone from a major and industry that was not involved in agriculture, but his analytical skill set has done wonders for a a Mm -hmm. smaller operation. So there are a lot of organizations I'm sure you've heard that are putting great effort and time into future talent development and they're pulling it people it students they're pulling graphic design people they're pulling um, communication specialists into their agricultural operations to put those talents to use and i think i'm gonna do a plug for our department i guess because when you get a student that has not come from an ag background but has now learned a great deal about a lot of different industry sectors And now you take their marketing talents or their educational talents and put them to work on your operation or in your business on the farm or ranch or a uh, direct-to-customer type service, they hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. And if you can then, like we just said, give them a bit of ownership over a particular project or a service opportunity, you're fulfilling them and tapping into their talent to only shift and do better and do more 
for that business. So really, if a farmer's talking about, hey, I can't find people, I, I can't, uh-huh. you know, gosh, I'm paying all kinds of money. I just can't find people. It's maybe not just the money. You need to look at your look at your farm, look at your business model and realize that maybe it's not the people that are, maybe it's not the candidates that are the problem. Yep. Maybe it's me. Yep. And we need to change how we're doing things. And who and, we're seeking. And who we seek out to, mm-hmm. to attract. So, yeah, um, interesting. My my initial family, so my brother and I, um, had no intentions of ever going into farming. It wasn't in our family. You know, we didn't have something to go home to, per se. Mm-hmm. And so I always, I, I didn't think I'd ever be a farmer, let alone marry that Mary wants someone that ended up becoming a farmer. But that's a great point of, um, again, my, my husband was not in agriculture, and yet he's been able to help provide some uh, great consistency and and help to a, a family farm. So I know you didn't want to get into agriculture or marry a farmer or be an <laughs> ag teacher. Uh, so what else have you not wanted to do? So we'll know what you're doing in the future. But <laughs> I'm just joking. I, I, I want though. I want you to describe. You know, you, you've been to a couple of the ag emerge events. Mm-hmm. You've had a lot of immersion and connections with many people through being at a state FFA officer, yeah. and and all the people that you've had come and speak to your classes there at Cal Poly. Um, what's your hope for the future of agriculture? What's your, what's your vision for the future of agriculture? You know, what, what do you see that being? Uh, To me, that's a fun question because it's pretty easy. I hope the future that's coming into these farms and ranches or doesn't know, maybe they've had that conversation that they don't want to ever become a farmer or a farmer's wife or associated with it. Um, They still have something to offer. And whether they become a food blogger or a news desk writer, if they have an understanding of basic agricultural practices, and yet we always know we can do better, then the future's pretty dang bright as far as learning how to take people that have an interest and then get it applied somehow to this new paradigm of agriculture. It, then you you bring together minds that have different ideas, and that's what Aggie Emerge hosts. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's encouraging people from different walks of the industry. Some people say that's too broad of an approach; that you should sector things out like we kind of always have. You're going to go to the this commodity conference at this time of year, and then you're going to go to your annual meeting for this organization at this time of year. We have purposely broken the silos of that. Because there have been people, and Kim alluded to this, that have done research in an area that's quote-unquote unrelated to their area, but they sit down at lunch and exchange a business card because you're sitting next to each other. And somehow that conversation leads to, by the way, I read your white paper on XYZ. And then, by the way, and then the other person can then say, well, I'm doing research that I might need your help with. Those are the kinds of things I, I think the future is going to be better off because of. So it's breaking down some silos. The future of agriculture is talking to people from different areas that aren't directly associated to yours. Because that's where these new ideas come from and new relationships and collaborations. And it's also okay, like I have done many times now, to say, that's not going to work for me. And then five years later, turns out it might benefit you the greatest. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, most change occurs from uh, influences outside, you know, not internal. I mean, radical shifts, radical change happens from people who are outside of the current set of rules. Right. You know, so. Well, and I, I feel like I always go back to, you know, be a lifelong learner, but have a teachable spirit. So you can be learning a lot of stuff, but there are people from outside of your sphere of influence who may have something very important to to help you learn, but you have to be willing to accept that, right. that new information too. And I think the newer students are more and more able to do so that's cool yeah that's really cool so as we move forward now megan you're part of our team we're excited about it what are we um what do you say i mean we're rethinking how we deliver the agging marriage experience this year because the rules have shifted right with covid um you know we're looking at that but you know i think over time it will always change Mm -hmm. to to stay relevant you know what do you see on some of the things on the horizon that uh, you know being a part of the team now and how you're going to help us uh help ag emerge move the paradigm ag paradigm forward one of the things that i think we can do well and we already have is create conversations on a i'm going to use the word intimate level the phrase because the the beginnings of ag emerges or those conferences that have already taken place and been successful was in a conversation at a and over a shared meal so you listen to a speaker anyone can listen to a speaker on a ted talk or a podcast there's great there are great ones but how much change is affected right and so you that's also, in my opinion, the, the generation coming forward into the workplace, they seek out face-to-face time. They may not n- tell you that, but I... Th- that's, I thought they were all texting. No. Nope. You mean they want face-to-face they want time? They face-to-face time, and that's they know it's valuable. Authenticity, too. Authenticity, for sure. Don't talk the talk without walking the walk. Um. So Aggie Merge provides that. Now, as Aggie Merge grows, one of the things that we have chosen and I get to help accomplish is let's say we get 1,000 people quickly in the next two years. How do you get intimate conversations going in a group of 1,000 people? Do you say, okay, the tree guys can meet here, almond guys can go there, strawberries, by the way, you're new, welcome. (laughs) Here, you can go to this room. Again, that's not what we're doing. So we have to very carefully craft how those groups get to interact with each other. And uh, marketing agencies have shared with us that people don't need another online community. So I think the future of Ag Emerge is going to continue to be in-person discussion times, breaking bread together, sharing failures and losses and successes and rising together um, to bring all these different pieces together with new ideas. That's, I think, what we get to do next is how do we reach more people because we know there are more interested? How do we reach them and still make sure they get a wonderful experience and a wonderful conversation, not just a business card exchange? Mm-hmm. Right. And that and that's going to require some, you know, especially with the travel restrictions we have going on and and those kind of things. That's going to to keep that community connection because, you you know, you've been in these Zoom meetings. If there's a bunch of people on there, two people start talking at once. You know, there's funny videos about that. That just it's just not 
natural. So being able to, to get that uh, natural learning experience is still going to be a, a mm-hmm. key in how we make this all happen because, uh, you know, learning occurs within a social context. And, uh, yeah, and then the final element to learning, you know, uh, that we that we talk about a lot is you still have to do it, you know, and you still have to, you have to do it large enough to where you learn something, but not so large that if it's a complete and utter failure, right. it's the end of your family, you right. know, 10 generation business. I mean, the learn by doing model, I mean, that's the follow-up portion to ag emerge is right. also critical Applying to make the change it. happen versus yeah. the once a year mountaintop experience. Yeah. How do we... Yep translate that into everyday action not only for the person who attended but the entire team right. ownership group management right. group you know um, working I, group within the organization how do we have that everybody's focused on that same goal mm-hmm. and i call that fridge and portfolio worthy i made a huge effort in the teaching realm to i don't not i'm not going to just ask you to do this assignment because it gets you to the next points check it off the list right yeah does it add to the greater goal of you talking about it with someone else and you landing a job because you did this experience you put together this piece of work and farmers and ranchers can do the same thing if you're not doing things that are discussion worthy and portfolio worthy and fridge worthy for your five-year-old or your spouse we could make some changes for you come talk with us Right. And really the portfolio portion too is not just one thing. No. You know, if you think of it from that approach, what are you doing? What are you trying? What are you adapting? What are you changing in multiple areas to create that broad portfolio of of example of of learning that you're doing? We want that refrigerator full. Yep. We don't want just one little art picture on there. We want that whole thing covered, the sides, the front, Um, the top, even the back if we have to. Our home (laughs) is covered in the kids' art. Sure walls, fridge, uh, everything. And that's, I think, if you can put that shift of mindset into work on your farm or ranch, what do you want to be proud of? What do you want to show others and help them do the same? Right. Apply what you've learned. Help others, you know, do it also and and do it quickly versus just let it uh, tickle our ears. Yeah. You know, so, no, excellent. I I am so excited to have Megan on board. I'm looking forward to some amazing things as we take these complex concepts. They're not complicated, but they're complex. And how do we communicate that in a way and help people adapt uh, to a, a new paradigm of farming and make those changes effective and, and efficient for their own operation within their own context. And, and you know, starting with the, the end in mind of soil health, focusing on the five soil health principles, and how do, we, how do we make that happen and motivate it to happen with each and every one of you listening here to the podcast. So uh, it, it's simple. Uh, Megan's a rock star, so by the end of next week, she'll probably have that all done, and we'll be on to the tomorrow. next thing, right? Oh, tomorrow, yeah. tomorrow, tomorrow. Yes. Very good. So, but no, Megan, uh, very excited that, uh, that you keep, kept reaching out to us, and, and Robin and I are both very excited, and the entire team, that you're on board, and we're looking forward to working with you we did threaten though because uh, megan will be working from her home in napomo yep. that we do need a west coast office to come and, and visit on a regular basis that's you know real close to the ocean there we're gonna work on that okay okay we can make that happen but so. my pleasure thank you for <laughs> for accepting me into the team so warmly and we're gonna 
we're going to rock the boat a bit. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Super exciting. Yeah, just really looking forward to working with Megan. And and also, I just want to say to our listeners, if we've talked about things today that have spurred you on, make that cold call. Give us a ring. Our email information is in the podcast. If you're trying to make decisions for your farm that you just want to explore, what are the possibilities? These are the kind of things that we do because we are interested in helping each individual producer find what works for them. And as you can tell, we have an education and learning heart and we don't hold those things close to our vest. We want to share them. That's the function of Aggie Merge. And we want to make sure that we just don't have all this information here within our office and that we are sharing it. And so super excited that Megan is going to help us get that message out. And we just want to spur you on to, as I said, make that call and let us help you with that. Thanks again for joining joining us. And thanks for a great discussion about the opportunities you've seen, Megan, in the students that are coming through the ranks to be our next generation of leaders in agriculture. And thank you to our listeners as we continue to discuss all the perspectives of how to break out of that old ag paradigm. Have a great day.